Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Now, dear Father, may we perceive your work, the wonders that that you bring about, the movement of hearts, changing of lives, all because you love us and you would bring us to yourself. Dear God, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who's our Savior and Lord. Amen. So there was a man, and he had everything. Land, cattle, pigs and goats. He had a big farm, beautiful family, and everything went his way. And in the courtroom of heaven, one of the angels came up to him and said, You know, if you take all that stuff away, came up to God and said, if you take all that stuff away, he's not going to worship you anymore. He's not going to like you. And the one who came up to God in the courtroom of heaven is called the accuser. And that's where we get our word Satan. Satan is the accuser. Satan is the one who inflicts us with guilt. And so the accuser says to God, take it all away and we'll see what Job's made of. And actually we'll see God what you're made of, if you're still worthy of worship. And so God didn't take it away, but he allowed Satan to take it away. He allowed Satan to have his way. And he lost everything, including his beautiful family. Satan went back to God and said, okay, now I want to afflict, I want him to be afflicted. And God allowed it again, but not to the point of death. And so Job is seen with open boils all over his body, scraping them with a piece of pottery. Disgusting view. And the question that is posed to the people, how is it that bad things happen to good people? How can these awful things happen? The world in which we live is full of all kinds of things that make no sense whatsoever. Awful things get unleashed on perfectly good people. And so Job is at a place where he has three friends who come to him. And they come out of concern, and they come and spend time with him, and they talk with him, and they try to explain why he's going through what he's going through. So Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, three friends that come to Job and try to tell him, well, you know, it's, you've done something to bring this upon yourself. Something you've done. Nobody's innocent. 
There's a cause and effect in the universe. And so the way we figure this out is to, you just need to do that internal work. You need to look at yourself and figure out what you did to bring about this mess. And Job is arguing back and forth. I, I, didn't, I didn't do anything to bring this on. Nothing I've done. Yeah, but nobody's perfect. Yeah, but there's nothing I've done to bring this on. But, you know, the punishment doesn't meet the crime here. I'm not saying I'm perfect. And so after all of that, Job's argumentation back and forth with his three friends, finally, he addresses God with his argument. Basically, summing up everything he's said up to this point in the that is recorded in the book of Job. And he addresses it to God. Then God answers him. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the 38th chapter of Job. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words. Gird up your loins like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determines its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? Who supports its foundation and who laid the cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and all the Angels shout for joy. Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst forth from the womb? And as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness, for I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores, I said, thus far and no farther you come. Here your proud waves must stop. And God goes on to describe all kinds of very intimate details of his creation. Were you there when a, when a fawn was born? Were you there with the, with the tiny eaglets? Were you there to feed the baby cubs? Were you there? What do you know about all of this, he says. Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? And Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I've said too much already. I have nothing more to say. So the question that we ask when, when a storm hits, and I have not even nor, uh, ventured north of Immokalee Road, since this hurricane hit. But the further north we go up into Fort Myers Beach, Fort Myers, the greater the destruction, the barrier islands have been essentially scraped off. And we know that there were people who lost their lives, people who lost everything. And when the scrambling comes to an end, people ask, why? Why has this happened? Why, why is this storm meeting out so much random damage and hurtful stuff 
If God is really loving, if God is all-powerful, why does he allow this kind of thing? Why is this, why is this happening? Now, something as dramatic as a storm is simply an occasion to ask the questions that at some point in our lives we ask. And oftentimes it's not unusual for us to to wonder why these things are going on. And, And you know the examples. We all have our examples. And it's not so much a why me question. It's just a why question. Because it makes no sense. And so we... We do what we can to try to figure it out. And that's what these friends of Job did. They came and they had some good things to say and it was kind of helpful for Job. But it really didn't address his heart. He lost so much. And for them to come in with a cognitive intellectual argument really really didn't make much of a difference. He lost his kids, lost his, his bride, lost everything. And then they come in, well, you know, Job, you, you must have done something. And Job, you know, this is just not helpful right now. We've all been there. And we know what it's, what it's like. And so we ask the question as well. So there are, I think, essentially three answers to this question. The first, which is offered by our secular world, a world in which we live, a world that is secularizing more and more all the time, is simply that these random things happen because this world is just a a random occurrence in the universe, if not in the multiverse. And these things happen and the world has no meaning anyway because it's just a random eruption into our awareness and into our consciousness. And we just happen to be here by all kinds of forces that come together and spin us forth. There's no meaning in the world. The only meaning in the world is the the meaning we give it. So we we have to go about our business of bringing meaning to the world. So a gentleman, gentleman named Dr. Frank, pardon me, Dr. Ralph Lewis, writing in Psychology Today, put it this way. We all know that there are unfortunately so many uncaring, selfish people And more disturbingly, there are too many callously brutal people in the world for anyone's comfort, but fortunately, most people are caring and the overwhelming majority are capable of caring when they can be taught to relate to other people's predicament and perspective. The universe has no purpose, but we do. We give value and meaning to life. People can and do care even if the universe doesn't. 
So the universe doesn't care. There's no God out there that cares. But thank goodness, he says, not even thank God, thank goodness, he says, there are at least many caring people. He doesn't talk about how people got to be caring. What are the values that were nurtured in people's lives that gave rise to caring? But it's pretty much up to us then when hardship strikes to not find meaning in it, but to give meaning to it. Okay, so there's one. That's the secular. Then there's the, the liberal theological. And you can probably already tell what I think of that. The liberal theological takes this question that says, if God is all loving and all powerful, why does he allow these things to happen? Well, the liberal theological simply says, well, it must be that God is all loving, but it must be that God is just not powerful. This is process theology. It's the, the approach to make sense of what is happening in the world by simply reimagining God. So we're going to redo God, give God a makeover. And this kind of a God, as a makeover God, is a God without, without the capability of making a difference. I would suggest that those two approaches are fictions. And let's face it, we create fictions, we make fictions to suit ourselves. And, and truth is stranger than fiction because we cannot figure it out and so we create fictions to suit ourselves. So we have a way of suiting ourselves. Well, God is just not capable of doing these things. Or, or there is no God. We're just in a mindless, heartless universe and, and we just have to do what we can to, to give meaning into the world. Those are human constructs to a reality that we cannot grasp. And then there's the message of Job. I love this passage of the 40th chapter of Job. So all this arguing goes back and forth. It's like, it's like guys at a breakfast table up here on, on the trail, arguing, drinking coffee, more coffee, more coffee, and everyone's going back and forth. And then finally, God says to Job, where were you when I created the world? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, you know so much. Were you there when that fawn was born? Where do you think all the snow is stored up? And the hail, this beautiful statement, I encourage you to read the book of Job. But it sounds like it's not an answer. It sounds like it's a question that has no answer. When God says, well, Job, so where were you when I did all of these things? The answer is that it is a mystery wrapped up in the sovereignty of God. 
that God is all loving, all powerful, and God knows what's going on. He knows what we go through. And, and so he is there. If he knows when eaglets are in their nest waiting for food, how much more? Of course, Christ himself said this. You know, consider the lilies of the field, little tiny flowers. Even Solomon is not arrayed like one of those. If he cares for them, how much more does he care for you? And so the, the answer is the care of the Father, the care of God for us. The answer to this hardship that we go through, to these moments of erupted tragedy and fear, casualty. It's not to be found outside of ourselves. It's to be found in our God. We don't have some kind of a philosophical thing that will answer this. This is the problem of evil we're talking about. This is a problem that, that doesn't have a solution philosophically other than the ones I've already offered here. It simply is and it's either a meaningless universe or it's not. It's either a universe that is cold and mean and cruel and we have erupted out of the primordial slime with the, this false understanding that somehow there's purpose and meaning in life and we have a consciousness and even a desire to live beyond this life. And that's a cruel trick of the universe. Either that's it, or God made us. It sounds like something from Sunday school. And in a sense, it is. God made us, and we're not alone, and he loves us. And therein, we don't find an answer. But we find the Lord's presence. And when we acknowledge the presence of the Lord, then we begin to see his miracles unfolding in our midst. So I was with Jack and Lucille Timon last night. 20th floor. Thank goodness the elevators are working. Otherwise, I'd still be tired. <laughs> and he told me that as they were watching last week, and as Dawn was singing, suddenly outside their window, he said there was a gathering of hawks that began to dance. And he said, I'd never seen anything like it before. Okay, take one perspective and, well, that's just hawks, they're just out there dancing, it's just one of those things. Or there's another perspective, that was a gift. It was a tiny miracle. to Jack and his dear bride, Lucille. Last week, right now my phone is in the car. I do that a lot. Last week I had my phone with me and I got a text about 
a generator being donated. <laughs> and one thing led to another. On Monday, I went down to the Lowe's down on Collier Boulevard and 41. Brand new generator, two five-gallon uh, things of, of gas and a quart of oil. And our, our dear Helen has been using that generator for the past week. And God willing, we'll have power this coming week. I don't look at that as a coincidence. I don't look at just sort of random powers of the universe colliding and giving rise to things. There's a God who loves us and cares for us. And Helen is brand new to our country and new to our community. She doesn't really know anyone. And, and a number of people mustered to see that she was okay. Story after story after story in the life of our church is emerging. Brian and Yulia have a boat in their backyard from a neighbor's house. And it's got a weigh, I don't know, five tons or something like that. It's got a big, heavy thing with two big uh, motors in the back. Well, the number of people, Falcon has been in the middle of it, and I went over there, and Tom and Mary have been over there, and there's a solution underway. And that doesn't say that we just happen to find out Nancy's been the nerve center for so much of this. Her phone keeps getting texted or dinging and ringing and so on and so forth. I've personally been saying, well, call Nancy, call Nancy. <laughs> I don't see any of this as random. I see this as God's little miracles, one after another. And by miracle, I mean it happens because God's hand is on it. Because God is with us, and he's real, and he loves us, and he cares for us. And he uses us. So when Job asks God, why? And God says, don't be so arrogant. Just remember. So many things pass under your notice. So many things in life are unseen. Open your eyes and see the wonder that surrounds you. And know that I am there. You join me in prayer. And so, Father, we give you thanks and praise. And we are heartened by your presence, encouraged, warmed. And Lord, may we be that much more sensitive to the subtle withdrawal of your hand when you have just touched someone or something. May we see there the fingerprint of your touch. And may we give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name.
If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.